Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. My favorite meal that you can get right now is the chili chili bang bang chicken. Go to the link in the description to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. It's the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we welcome you back to episode number 71, where today we are going to be talking about statistics. Mm -hmm. And statistically speaking, uh, this should not be our last attempt at uh, recording (laughs) this podcast. Yeah, we we have attempted at recording this podcast a few times, actually. The beginning has been a little choppy, but here we are. So statistics, for those of you that have been um, a little avid listeners of the podcast or at all might know that uh, I'm actually majoring in statistics. So I'm very excited for this episode today. And uh, Parker has some mixed feelings about it. You know, it's all right, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So today's episode, let's get into it. Yeah. Well, first of all, we should probably do that intro that we did on the other ones, (laughs) on the other attempts. Oh, well, first of all, big news before we get into it, check out our Instagram because our giveaway is live. We have one more week uh, ending next Friday. So this is going to come out Monday. So about five days. Go on our Instagram, math.physics.podcast. There's a post which has the giveaway rules. Just share our post, you know, tag a few friends and your favorite episode number. And basically, we're just going to do like a random comment generator. And boom, whoever wins it, wins it. It's going to be so much That's fun. Right. It, you guys pick the shirt. So I'm super excited for it. So if you guys, you know, want to win it, want a chance, go to our Instagram page and, you know, go check it out. Yeah. And we are like, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. We'll just ship it to wherever you are and we'll do it like we'll make the shirt custom and everything. Just tell us the size and then boom, we'll make it, send it over. So yeah, make sure to go and yeah. enter the giveaway. It's officially live. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have that that many entries. I think there's like 30 entries so far, maybe a, l- a little bit more. 30, 35, I believe. I think we have 35 entries, mm-hmm. right? It's like somewhere around there. But yeah, let's see. I mean, who knows? We still have a whole, well, the, the day we're recording this, we have like six days when it's going to come out, five days. So let's see, you know, maybe yeah. people who listen to this go on our Instagram, go, ch- go, go get that shirt. Definitely. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into the podcast, we're going to yeah, do let's get a into, little bit of news. Let's get into the news, right? Let's get into the news. So downloads, we're actually almost sitting at 175,000 downloads Dang. right now. I believe we're at 174 something, but thank you guys, man. We're so close to that 200. It's going to be really cool when we do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we're always improving, thanks to you, obviously. And on Spotify, that, that uh, weekly update, we're sitting at 11.5 thousand followers also something that's 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 interesting yeah um on monday and tuesday 
yeah on both days we got like 1100 downloads which was the most we've ever gotten and we've gotten day, that yeah, yeah. twice in a row so that was cool damn uh, that's decent yeah that's decent good stuff yeah awesome. thank you to all of our listeners as always for continuing to tune in and uh, yeah i mean we do this yeah and especially you. right now make sure to send us some episode suggestions because yeah. we just kind of we come up with a topic kind of like on the spot almost literal random just <laughs> random like hey what do you want to do yo what about this yeah sure. and then we just we talk about <laughs> that's it the whole planning um, that's the whole plan now obviously like we do work into the podcast but the topic itself yeah fully fully just randomized for sure so anyways yeah the, always accessible on instagram the comment of the week this Let's week make sure to leave a comment under this video if you want to be next week's comment underneath that of like the button week. if you want to but this week's Woo! comment comes from Bern- bernice? bernice bernice nice not sure how to pronounce it. anyways uh they say uh it's like a long comment i'm not going to read it all but essentially they said that we had a great episode and that nice. there's a lot of value in our podcast because you know they're, they're a math tutor and so the things that we say gets passed down to the next generation of mathematicians and all that stuff so yeah thank you very much for your your great comment Mm-hmm. And if you want to sure. be next week's comment of the week, make sure to go to YouTube. First of all, leave a like and leave a little subscribe. But most importantly, leave a comment and you might be next week's comment of the week. Mm-hmm. Very simple. Yeah. Very simple to get that. To get that Is status. there anything else? I don't think there's any more news. Right. We did the giveaway. Mm-hmm. We did the, I think we, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think we're, I think we're good on the podcast on the news front. So let's get into it. Let's get into statistics. Why do we need statistics for in the first place? Oh, this is the part that we did on one of the takes. Yeah, you kind of oh, skipped it. Oh, this is the part that we did like, on one of the okay. takes. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Whatever. I remember. Okay, yeah, this is the part that I forgot about. Yeah. So, well, what? why do we need statistics, right? So the best thing for us in, in, in the world of statisticians and mathematics is to do what we have. And what we have is data. Bunch of it. Mm. bunch of it mm. and the best thing that mathematicians or at least I, sh- I should say statisticians know how to do is to use past data previous data previous knowledge and assume things about the future that is the whole um study of statistics basically to take data that you've already that you've are obviously already taken so it will be inherently from the past and you're assuming something about what will happen now, there is a level of uncertainty to it. There is a level of uh, preciseness to it that could be wrong, could be off. Well, also, but that's the whole that's the whole idea of studying statistics. It's not only to predict things about the future, but sometimes you just want to like analyze a situation. For example, right. we had a lab analysis as well. We had a lab right. where we had like a population of like 200,000 stars and like some of their properties. And then, of course, we only like analyzed a sample of it. But, you know, it wasn't necessarily to predict anything. It was mm-hmm. just to be like, oh, this is the median or the, the mean size of the star distance, uh, angular mm-hmm. velocity across the celestial and then, sky. And then you can do a lot about stars in that same group or in that yeah. same cluster, mm-hmm. right? So that's the same thing. A lot of times when people say, oh... Um, you know, there's so many people in the world or, 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 or like they make some assumption about the population. That's not because they actually have every single person taking a survey. Yeah. Taking a, no, they take a sample of people and 
we're definitely going to get into what all these things are like a random sample and stuff like that, where they take a sample of people and then based on those um, properties and those analysis, uh, that analysis, they assume things for the population. That's the whole idea. You take a sample and you assume for the population. That is, that is basically the study of statistics. And the reason it's important is because it's seen everywhere. If you ever want to hold a good argument up against anyone, you're going to need some form of statistics somewhere, right? You're going to need some sort of argument, some sort of number, some data that represents some event happening that goes in or against your favor, right? So the whole idea is basically just data, taking in data and summarizing it in some way, depending on what we need from it, Mm -hmm. right? Study of statistics, right? Yeah. And also one thing that I want to talk about is like uh, normal distributions as well as like the Z-score, you know what that oh, is, Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, of which course. is super important and also very... going to get into it. Like it's so easy, quote unquote, to like mm. find a Z-score and it tells you so much good information, right? Yeah. So a lot. we're going to talk a about lot. that. But the first thing yeah. that uh, we're going to talk about is, is events. Hmm. And uh, Rayhan, kick it off. Simplest thing, event. Well, what is an event? So the whole idea, before we even get into like actual statistics, right? Actually like analyzing the data. Well, we have to understand, well, what is the data, right? Like let's let's, let's de- dive a little deeper into the, the actual data itself. So now this is interesting because if you guys have watched the previous episode, which episode 70, which we did with Matt Cater, super awesome guy, mm-hmm. super awesome episode. We spoke about some really cool things about functions and a lot of that is actually relating to what we're going to be talking about today because a fundamental property about all statistics is a set, a set, mm. a set of events, a set of numbers, a set of something. And the whole inherent property in functions is to take a set and to do something with it, right? Anyways, I'm not going to go into that function thing, but I just wanted to make the relationship between this episode and the last one. But anyways, so the idea behind a set and its importance is we have something called the universal set in all probability textbooks and all statistics questions, anything. We have this thing called a universal set, which is basically the set of every single thing that can happen. So let's say, for example, we have only access to 100 numbers, the first 100 numbers, the universal set will be the set that contains one, two, three, four, all the way to 100. That's the universal set. Now, I'm asking you, I want only the even numbers. So the even numbers will now be a subset of that universal set. And that is what we can call an event. Now, in this situation, any sample, any subset of the universal set can be called a an event, right? And the idea behind that is, again, how we define an event is different. So in this case, I can be out of the first 100 numbers. If it's even, it's, well, well, the event occurs when it's an even number. So every even number, you will put it into this one subset, and that kind of takes it, right? And then that you call an event space. That's your event space. So again, just diving into a little bit, little bit of the nitty-gritty of the data before we get into the probability and the statistics, right? And the event space also has something similar called the sample space. A lot of words I'm throwing around here. So 
a subset of this universal set, right, which contains everything, including the event space, is something called a sample space. Now, this is with everything that you are dealing with in your experiment. So let's say, again, we had access to 100 numbers. And in this particular variation, I'm only using the numbers until 50. So the sample will be 1 to 50. And again, this example might not make, you're like, where is any of this going? Believe me, when we deal with populations, it's going to make a lot more sense, right? So a sample is just a, a part of the universal set, an event, and it is basically technically a subset of the sample. It's not a direct a subset of the universal set. Mm -hmm. Because the idea is, okay, in the sample that we're taking, because remember, we don't always have access to the whole universal set. Right. Mm -hmm. Like in the real world, for example, we don't have access to every single person in the world, but we have access to maybe a hundred thousand, maybe a thousand. Right. And we can make an estimation mm -hmm. about the whole world. So that's the idea. We take the sample. There's some events in that sample. And these are all just sets. These are all just sets of numbers, sets of information that goes inside. And we're making inferences about all of these sets. So and I mean, and that's that's basically the idea. An event behind, can you know, is just any subset of. Yes. And, yeah. and you can give meaning to that event, right? Like the yeah. event could be just uh, a set of all the prime numbers. But, Another but if, if, if uh, let's say you, you're picking numbers, right? And you mm -hmm. get a prime number, you don't necessarily have to tie it to that event, right? It's only if you feel like saying, yeah. oh, this is a prime number and I'm going to use that to, you know, in the future, I'm going to analyze the data that I got while I was picking mm -hmm. these numbers okay mm -hmm. yeah importance there importance there of all just understanding a little bit about these 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 data before we get into it right mm -hmm. and continuing on that data front a lot of these sets we can now start to analyze them just a little bit again before we get into the before we get into the nitty-gritty all sets have something fundamental that we call the mean the average right the mean the median and the mode you might have heard it like the three m's Right, very, very, very mm -hmm. common. And all, okay, not the mode. The mode is really useless. But the mean <laughs> and the median, at least, very important for analyzing the structure of the set. Yeah. So what does this stress set look like? So obviously, all of this works only with numbers, right? Like we're not, we're not, we're not dealing with no, like cows and dogs putting into a set, right? We're only dealing with these numbers. But usually, yes, everything that you study is tied to a number. You you're know right. what I mean? You're right. I mean, unless you're doing like the eye color of cats, you know what I mean? No, but even that can be tied to a number in the RGB, you know, I, in the spectrum. I guess, but the average wouldn't really have it. a significance because those, uh, I guess, those maybe. like results are discrete. Okay, like, not in that example, really but I was just trying to say to that a number other. can be assigned to it. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, for sure. No, a number can be assigned, but it, it's not really the same, right? If you're mm -hmm. studying like the height of people in a country, then, mm -hmm. of course, you're just studying, let's say it's in centimeters, uh, the, the, their heights measured out in centimeters. And the average or the mean, same thing, is, you know, if you don't know, like, the mathematical definition of the average, mm. it's, you know, you, you kind of think, okay, it's like where most people kind of end up. Mm. Mathematically, well, you, just, you just add everything up. Add everything mm -hmm. and divide by the number of, exactly. uh, of samples. Yeah. Well, the, well, the, well, the the total number. Well, technically, it would be the number of. Uh, wait, what are we? I, 
totally glitched is that the average heights yes the average heights <laughs> you would add up the heights and divide it by the number of people that you're taking the heights of yeah. right exactly now you said somewhere there that that's where most of the people will be. That's not no, always no, true. No, no, that's not true. Yeah, I was just no, saying, just, like, no, intuitively. You think yeah, that no, 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 no. That there. exactly. No, that, that I wasn't trying to prove you wrong. I'm trying to say that I'm trying to kind of transition in, into the definition of the median now. Yeah. Because that's not always true. Now, if you have, like, for example, the height. If you have thousands of people, then sure. The average. And now again, we're going to talk about this, but the average approaches the the mean approaches the mean. Uh, sorry. What's it? The median approaches the mean in large samples. The idea is that we have a lot of people and they could be ranging anywhere from X centimeters to Y centimeters, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if those people are relatively close by, then the average height, right, would be somewhere in the middle. So it would make sense. So let's say one guy was 10 centimeters, the other guy was, two, again, just random numbers I'm spinning out here. One guy was 10 centimeters, the other guy was 20. The average height is 15 centimeters. And you're like, okay, I mean, that makes intuitive sense. Sure. But now, what if three guys are 10 centimeters and one guy is 20? The average gets skewed by that one guy that's 20. Even though most of the people in the sample are 10, Three of the three out of four, seventy-five percent of the sample is ten. The average is going to be greatly skewed towards twenty instead of ten, right? So the idea, we, I mean, so to prevent this, we have the median. The median is the middle fifty percent of the data. So while the average, you're just adding up all the data points and you're dividing it by the number of data points. In the median, you list the data points from smallest to largest. And the middle, the bang 50% middle is what your median is. So in this example, the median would be 10. And you're like, okay, you know, that makes sense. I mean, out of, out of these four people, the like, the statistical, what makes the most sense is 10. Mm -hmm. And something you may notice, the median is always a part of the set itself, always. But the mean well, actually, that's, that's not, not true. true. That's not always true. If you have two, if if you if, have two, if you have, an, an, yeah. even, if you have two, you take the mean of it. I was just thinking because yeah. if you have two uh, numbers in the middle, right? For example, if you have four digits, if you have four numbers in a set, there's no half, right? I mean, there's no number in the middle, right? It's just the middle two numbers. So what you do is you take the average of those numbers. So I guess yeah, it's not it's not always in the thing, but the average is rarely, rarely ever, if not ever in the actual set because the idea again these are just summary measures right this is just understanding the data a little bit better mm -hmm, you know what i mean mm -hmm. just diving a little deeper into that for sure and one thing yeah. or i guess wait are we going to talk about uh normal distributions right now or later oh for sure or, I, right I, now or I, later? I wanted to get i mean yeah we, we can get into that like when we talk about like very like yeah yeah i think we're very excited let's get into probability let's get into probability because I think, I think we can talk about that now. We've gotten to events, right? We've understood what events are. We've understood how we measure sets. We've understood how to analyze sets. Now let's understand, I mean, I don't know how to describe this, but I guess probability. Yeah. So, <laughs> let's just I mean, probability, probability, of course, we got to talk about the coin flip. Oh, um, the classic. So course. you have two outcomes, heads or tails, and a coin, you know, it's very uh even you know what i mean if you want to get very 
precise about it. Technically, you know, one side is going to be heavier than the other because it's a, you know, slightly, there's more material or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I don't but know. like okay. smallest okay. amount. But yeah, no, let's just say, let's just mean, say the coin is even. So, of course, yes. So naturally, when you flip a coin, half of the time it's going to go one way, half of the time it's going to go the other way. And so the probability, if you flip a coin once, is 50-50. That's just, that's just how it happens. But the mm. more you flip a coin, the more different outcomes you have, and then the different outcomes will have different probabilities. For example, mm. if you flip a coin twice, there are now four different outcomes, or sorry, three different outcomes if you're not considering like the permutation. Well, well, I mean, there can be a head-head, head-tail, tail head yeah but the permutation like the outcome would be like two heads one head oh that's what you mean like because the head tail tail head would be the same so then there would be three so if you're just if you're just tallying the number of heads and the number of tails that you have at that's the the combination yes right the combination then there are three different possibilities either two two heads two tails or one head one tail and then Mm -hmm. because um the coin has a 50 50 chance of landing on either side that means that each one of these permutations is equally probable. And so the combination of heads and tails would be 50% probability. And then the other two would be 25% probability. And the same concept applies when you extend the amount of coin flips that you do. Mm. If you do 100, then you have Mm. like crazy combinations of numbers of heads and tails. But the probability of landing on one single permutate or sorry one single combination will depend on the amount of permutation this has a lot to do with uh macro and micro states mm. that we talked about yeah i was in, actually uh, just gonna yeah this does have because it's yeah. like the number of arrangements yeah we talked about this and stuff in, like that uh, yeah it does the it does. entropy episode that we did which was mm-hmm. which was a very good episode it was a very it was a very interesting episode mm-hmm. but yeah so probability is inherent in that way and it depends like when when we're talking about um you know the number of permutations number of combinations in all of these events it tells us again stuff about how these two flips are related and in this situation we can do that because the coin flip is an independent event right we maybe get into independence and dependence right now this is a really interesting conversation and kind of intuitive as well Right, like can like if two things would depend on each other, or if two things would not depend on each other. For example, flipping a coin the first time and flipping a coin the second time has no dependence on each other whatsoever. So that is why when you simply do it twice and do it three times and do it four times, that probability or that that thing it like it stays the same. the The pattern stays the same. It doesn't change. But when you start adding different things, for example. Let's say you have a vase and you have a bunch of bo- a, b- a bunch of beads in there, right? And you're taking out a bead. What's the probability like like they're 50 50 red, 50 blue. You what's the probability you'll take out a red? Okay, there's something. You take out a red. But now what's the probability you'll take out a red? Cuz now there's one less red. So that now inherently depends on how many balls you've taken out. So I take two balls out well, it'll depend on what that second ball was, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. So there's, so that's where you get into dependent probability, right? And all of these, all of these statements are again, 
talking about the inherent factor about probability, which is sets. So in the classic thing, I don't know when we learned this, but you know Venn diagrams? When did we learn Venn diagrams? What uh, grade was that? Like grade Like three? really young, right? Yeah. Like really yeah, young. Right, okay. Right, yeah. So everyone knows what a Venn diagram is. I mean, you know, like that box with the circles over there, like with the, and and if they overlap, that means they have similar events. Yeah. If they if they if they don't, they're disjointed and they have nothing similar. So that's this that's the exact same thing, right? So this these sets are basically these these balls and these Venn diagrams that contain information, right? And when we're trying to measure these certain things, we're just either overlapping them. We're seeing okay, what's the commonality between them? If there is a if there's an overlap, that means we're saying okay. There's some event in this that also happens in this. So both of them happen at the same time in these certain scenarios. Some of them happen independently. Some of them happen together. Again, it would make a lot more sense if you guys kind of can picture that Venn diagram that I'm talking mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of talking about the things inside the ball itself and then inside the intersection of the ball. right? Cause, and, and again, just understanding these, these relationships between these sets is what is key. At least the, the bare bones of understanding the probability. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for sure. That's basic little bit. So yeah, we can move on to I think conditional pro like just a little bit, you know, a little bit of this dependency. Conditional probability, yeah. Isn't there something given something else? Isn't there um, a theorem, Bayes' theorem? Oh yeah, which tells yeah. you how to calculate yes, conditional is. probability. So Bayes' theorem actually switched the conditional probability. So Bayes' theorem is if you have the probability of an event A given an event B, you can find the probability of B given event A by a Bayes' theorem. Oh, that's yeah. That that like it's a way to swap the probability. So well, what is that? What what did I just say? For those people that might be like, what the hell? Okay, what did I just say? Right. So events. If they're not independent, right, it, they, they can depend on each other. And then we can give rise to what is called conditional probability, right? Something given something else. Let me give you an example. The probability, let's say we have numbers 1 to 50. The probability that we pick a number that is divisible by... Okay, no, that's stupid. Actually, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that, that, no, that's possible. That is even given that it's divisible by three okay yeah something like yeah, that yeah. i was gonna say two but I'm yeah. Like, That'll make that. yeah so divisible by three right yeah so that's like an example so you know that out of this set i have the fact given that it is divisible by three so out of one to 50 i now strip down all the numbers that are not divisible by three mm -hmm. and now i say what is the probability that it is an even number given that it is divisible by three. So I have all the numbers that are divisible by three. And now I say, which ones are even? And then I calculate a probability. Mm. Basically the number of uh, the number of even divided by the number of divisible by three. And that'll give you your conditional probability. And again, this works only when the events are dependent. If they're independent events, the 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 idea of a probability of something given something else will the other thing, the other event wouldn't affect it. So hold on, right? with Bayes' theorem, you would yes. get given it's given it's even. What are the odds it's divisible yes, by three? Exactly, oh, exactly. That's interesting. That's exactly what it would give you. Yeah, it would give you the so with Bayes. So what Parker, what what you just said. So there's this theorem in statistics called Bayes' theorem, where it's basically again. I mean, I don't want to repeat the mathematics, but it's basically just a formula 
that is able to convert these conditional probabilities. So what I just told you, the even given divisible by three, you would now get, wait, what is the probability that it's divisible by three given that it's even? But what's like... so you just do the opposite thing and you can do it easily when it's one to 50. But when you have discrete continuous distributions, oh my, that just, well, you can't do that anymore. But I'm just trying to give you like an example of just understanding it basic before we get into the crazy stuff because there's a lot of crazy stuff. But what's what's a real world like physical application of Bayes' theorem? Do you know? Like, what would you use? Yes, that of for? course, of course. Let me let, let me give you this. We did this. We did an example actually in class. Like, a, let me give you an example. Um, we have. This was the mad cow disease example. We did this in class. So I'm just going to repeat it because it's the one that's in my head anyways. So it's basically each cow either has a disease or doesn't. They can be tested. I mean, and, and all the cows are tested. It can either be a positive and it's right or it's a false positive. Mm -hmm. And the question is, we have the probability that... Um, it is, uh, cause I, cause I'm just trying to think about it. Cause we have one of them, but we're trying to find the other. So like we have, we have the, uh, we have the probability of the cows having the disease given that they were tested, right? We would have that, right? Because that's the percentage, the percent positivity. How, how right are we in that? So that would so that would be that percent positivity, right? If we're trying to calculate, well, what is the probability that the cow has the disease? Yeah. Given that it was tested right. Okay. Because if that is not one, which is always the case, that means there's some. It's not yeah. a perfect. It's not a perfect test, which is obviously true, right? So there's gonna be some. So that could be a number that we're trying to find, and the number that we could already have is the probability that it is a the probability that it is a right test given that the cow has it would we know that it's yeah, something no, like no, that you it's something could, like because that. that would just be a property yeah. like the 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 probability of of it being a correct positive given that the cow has the disease is just is just a condition on like the 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 accuracy of the test itself and so that's like a manufacturing thing where they're like, okay, this is like, this is how often it's actually right. But okay. Yeah. So the, I, I was able to pull it, the it up. The other way around would be what you would. Yeah. Yeah. So it's for. one of the ways that you want it. And the other way, see, 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 see what we have. Wait, B to note that the cow has it test positive, given that the cow has it. <laughs> see, that's the thing. So we have one of them. We already have one of the probabilities. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. The only way to actually conduct Bayes' theorem is by knowing one of the given probabilities, right? Because you need one of them to solve for the other. So you have, for example, the probability that the test is positive, given that the cow has it, and you want to find the percent positivity rate. So you're trying to find the probability that the cow actually has it, given that the cow has been tested. So something like that, you can just switch the probability, mm -hmm. right? And how do you get all of this? This is all just got from numbers, right? All this percentage, all this data is all just got from actual numbers that they've sat and tested, and they were able to conclude this data. So, I mean, that's kind of why I like, I, man, I, Okay, I'm just, I think I'm just nerding out, but I just love statistics because of this reason and this reason mainly, right? It, it takes, 
in raw data. You can't say it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. But here's I mean, the thing. But I no, mean, but here's the thing. Maybe. Here's where I wanted to say this. Here's kind of what I wanted to bring it into. Statistics is a very powerful tool. And with this tool, it can be greatly mismanaged. Greatly mismanaged. What I mean by that, there's so many times, so many times where you see certain articles citing certain statistics, some insane, like 80% of something, some, some like you, you know what I mean? Like some crazy article. Let me just recommend this video to everyone. There's this video on YouTube. What's his name? Zach Starr by Zach Starr. And it's called how easy it is to lie with statistics or lying with statistics or something like that. And that's basically the video immediately I thought of when I said, you can't lie with it. That's the, that's the exact same thing I thought of. So I would recommend all you guys watch it because it shows you the power of how easy it is to lie. Because if you have a certain sample, you can, you can affect that sample, you know, if you have that power without letting the audience know or whoever that you're telling that statistic to that you have mediated in that sample, you can completely fabricate data. Mm -hmm. And there have been instances, again, I do not recall this, sorry for my ignorance, but it is on the video. I will recommend, I probably, bro, we should definitely link it in the description. It's a beautiful video by Zach Starr. And again, it basically, I believe it even gives an example of some court case where someone was tried and put away for some crazy stuff because of, because of an, like, because of a, because of a wrong or an incorrect statistical interpretation. Wow. Because they weren't, because it was like the incorrect way of interpreting the data that led them to in, incarcerate him, which led to all this stuff. So believe me, it's a crazy story and I just wanted to bring it up, but. It's a very powerful tool because it all depends on the data that you're bringing in. And not a lot of people are caring about that. You say 70% of Americans are this poll taken with a thousand people. What do you mean? <laughs> How can you do that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's a very, and like, and those thousand people will be in the same area. Like you can't yeah. do that. Like it has to be a random, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, there are a lot of studies, there are a lot of things that can mess with your, that can mess with you, convince you otherwise because of these numbers. And these numbers are so powerful and they can lie so easily because of just data, because of how data can be collected, because of how different data can be, random data, all this stuff. I mean, we're definitely going to get into, but I just wanted to. I just wanted to get into that rant a little bit mm -hmm. about how important statistics is. No, it's really important, especially because everybody just believes everything and it's insane so that's true like, that's the if you just throw right. out like yeah 85 blah 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 <laughs> people be like damn that that sounds like it's right <laughs> yep for sure for sure <laughs> even, even if it doesn't even sound right they'll be like he wrote that down so like that's probably true you mm -hmm. know just yeah anyways anything anyone can write anything but yeah that's Other the tough that, world we live in right that's the that's the statistical that's that's the that's the disadvantage with the advantage of how awesome it is it's so cool helps you with so many so many things right i mean it allows businesses it allows countries to you know still function mm -hmm. math like basically like statistical stuff you know using these aggregate data data slots so it's, it's it's important and it's really cool to get 
Parker to say that it's important. I really appreciate <laughs> no, it. No, I mean, obviously, I know stats is <laughs> no, important. I'm, like, I'm joking, of course. Listen, yeah, stats yeah, yeah. is a really big part of astrophysics because it is the main thing you do in astrophysics is collect data from the sky and then right. you interpret it. Like, basically, everything, all the theories and all of the things we know for sure comes from collecting data from the sky and analyzing that data mm -hmm. you know it, if it wasn't for telescopes in galileo you know making all these crazy devices um like just take a look at the sky at night and try to deduce facts about the stars and black holes you know you can't really do that you 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 need to collect data you need you need some kind of uh tool that can see in different electromagnetic mm -hmm. uh intervals and all that stuff and then boom as soon as you have data you have statistics that you have to worry about now with this data comes along some responsibility right not always do we have only or do we only require the raw data sometimes we may want combinations of the data for example um you roll two dice or two dice is not right dice two dice you roll two, di two die, die. Die, yeah. yes. What am I saying? You roll two die. You want to know what is the probability that the sum will be six or five or seven or whatever. What you do there is that's when we start to introduce what I love and a very fundamental concept in statistics, the random variable. It's not, even though it is called random, I don't even know why. I mean, it is random. It is inherently random, but listen to what it is, right? So a random variable, the the essence of it, is basically to take a distribution or to take a number, to take an event, let me say, and to spit out an associated probability, basically. Not directly, not directly. Let me get the, let me fully get the, what am I trying to say here? Um... There's like a whole thing that goes from random variable. It takes in a certain information. What does it take in? It takes in sample space. It takes in that. It gives you it gives you a number. No, no, no. Wait, I'm messing up. I'm messing up here. Because it takes up the sample and it spits out a number on the real line, right? And the idea behind this variable is that it is estimating your data. That's the thing. So what we do is we can't, there's no real value for the sum of these two die, right? Like we have X here, we have Y here. Let's say X represents the number on this die, Y represents the number on this die. There's no real number to represent the both. So dice. we say, let's create, sorry? Dice. <laughs> you know what I mean, man? Let's say we create a variable S and that will be the discrete random variable because they're discrete variables, right? They're discrete numbers. It's going to be the discrete random variable that represents the sum of both of these, of, of the faces of the two die, mm -hmm. right? So the idea behind a random variable is to basically simulate a real life situation, right? To take in something that has happened and to spit out an associated mathematical relationship, mm -hmm. right? And the power of the random variable is, well, what do we do from that? Remember, it takes in information from the sample space. It spits it out to the real numbers. It spits it out to R, 
That's it's basically a function. It is a function, right? It takes in a set, which is the sample space, and it spits out a number on the real line, right? So it is a function. And what we do with this, the, the random variable itself is not that important. What's important is what we do with the random variable. Because with the random variable, we are now allowed to conclude probabilities. So with the random variable, we pass it through a probability function. And we're going to get into this in a second. We pass it through a probability function, and then we spit out a number anywhere from zero to one. That's the whole idea. Mm -hmm. So let me give you an example. Wait, hold on. Example to where this is at. Hold right? on. Um, yes. I just remember being in a workshop that we had. It was like yeah. an, an astro workshop. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Mike. Yeah. So yeah. we had this astro workshop where we were yeah. talking about astro statistics. And oh, that's cool. this was, I mean, you were there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, there. I remember this one. Of course, yeah, I remember yeah, this yeah. one. Um, I was so I was confused. Yes. Continue. She started talking about random variables and me not knowing stats. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> nice. But she said something that made me understand it like, immediately she's like random variable um you denote it with like a capital x and then capital letter not i mean yeah capital letter, letter. Yeah. and then a realization of that random variable is denoted by a small lowercase, lowercase <laughs> by a lowercase of that same letter and then that kind of clicked in my head where i was like the random variable represents like it's just like a general representation of yeah anything that can come out of mm, your experience exactly exactly it's, it's not anything specific but once you actually do the experiment and you get a realization of that variable then boom you add it to your um your collected data from mm -hmm. there you can you can do your experimental uh or what am i trying to you 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 can calculate Analysis. your outcomes, right? You can yeah. you can do your experimental mean, median, uh, standard deviation, which we haven't talked mm -hmm. about yet. Um, mm -hmm. But oh man, there's so much to talk about. I want to talk about uh, <laughs> uh, like the theoretical mean and the um, what's the what, what was that thing we had to do for the one lab? The interval confidence intervals. Confidence yeah, intervals. Yeah. Can't do it. That would be. Do you want to do that? Do we let's have not do that. No, let's not do that now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we can still do that. We can definitely do that. Yeah. But like we're talking about random variables, and I, I kind of like that yeah. realization versus the variable itself, mm -hmm. right? Because I mean that is important. Because everything. Because that's what I was trying to say, right? The random variable is a theoretical is a theoretical value, and it's basically the idea is okay with this variable. Now here is here's the power. Here's the true power of the random variable. Graph every random variable there is basically. Now in a discrete situation. Now here's where it switches up. Here's where discrete and continuous are a little different. Usually you just apply like you know if your summation if you're summing up in a discrete you integrate in a in a continuous. And it is not exactly similar. So here's the difference. In a discrete situation, we have random variables, right? And then in every every scenario has, again, what I wanted to talk about. And again, what we did talk about in last week's episode, the probability function. 
The probability function is basically a function that takes in a value and it says, well, what is the probability of that event occurring? And that value again is an event. It's not an actual, it can be represented as a number, but again, it's an event. It's an event occurring. So maybe a two represents this happening. A three represents something else happening, you know, something like that. It's an event. So that's your probability function. Now in a discrete distribution, right? Which is basically that dice example that I gave, right? If we have two die, it's a discrete distribution because there are a finite number of possible events occurring. So in a discrete distribution, our probability or our random variables will spit out a probability. If you look, if you, if you basically graph the distribution of all the possible, these random variables, that means how many times does two come up? How many times does three come up? How many times does four come up? How many times does six come up? If you graph the number of time, basically the frequency versus the sum. So the random variable is on the x-axis, the frequency is on the y-axis. If you graph that, what you will get is a probability distribution. And that is a consequence of the discrete random variable that you spit it out. And I mean, sorry, you apply it to your sample space and it basically spits out a probability because it's graphed against frequency. And that's really cool. And that's really impressive for discrete cases. Moving on to the continuous case, we have something really interesting, the probability density function. Mm -hmm. This is where there's a little bit of a difference. The random variable doesn't directly spit into the probability. Before we get into that, let me give you a little bit of a break though. Yeah. From my voice. <laughs> so I wanted to say something about continuous distributions. Yeah, go um, for it. Because I remember, <laughs> I, I always have so many stories about being in class. Yeah, let's hear it. But I was in class and technically I was right, but technically I was wrong. But this was our uh, tutorial for thermodynamics. And our, our TA asks, he says, what is the probability that, uh, I forget what it was, but he's like, what, what is the probability that like, your particle has this velocity? Mm. And I said it was zero, probability Ooh. zero. And he's like, he's like, come on, guys, don't be stupid. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's a continuous, it's a continuous uh, um, distribution. So technically yes. I was right. The thing about yes. continuous distributions is that you have an infinite amount of like options for example if we're talking about the height of people you know mm -hmm. you're not exactly 510 you are 5.1 or 510.0125 whatever you know your exact height is not 510 and right. technically on a continuous distribution your like your exact height is somewhere along the real numbers and the probability you know when you calculate the probability you do like um the number of times the event happens divided by the total mm -hmm. tries or whatever mm -hmm. you technically the, the total amount of possibilities that you have for your right. height yeah. is infinite so the probability that you have a an exact height is zero mm -hmm. but once again we talked about integration and probability density if you graph your probability density function you can say something about probabilities when you talk about intervals because mm. the probability density function integrates 
for, if you go from minus infinity to p plus infinity, it'll be one. That's how that's how you get some, fundamental property. Yeah, it's a fundamental right. property exactly. because if if um, you know the the one thing that we always talk about is the uh, probability density of the double slit experiment, which is inherently tied to the intensity of the light that mm -hmm. gets projected onto the background. And if you say that the intensity of the light is one, even like, like the incident beam, the intensity of that beam is one, automatically, it doesn't matter where the light ends up, the, if you sum up the total intensity of the waves in the, in the interference pattern, it will have to sum up to one because you can't create more light mm -hmm. just by sending it through two slits, right? Mm -hmm. That's just, yeah. and yeah, this ties back to probability density because um, the the brightness or the intensity of the light on your screen is tied to how probable it is for a photon to land there. Obviously, if a spot on your screen is brighter than another spot, then more photons are hitting that spot. So automatically, it's more probable that it lands there. But the point of this mm -hmm. entire photon discussion is that you have a probability density function. The probability has to sum up to one or else it doesn't make sense. Because if you're, right. you're sending a photon through, it's going to land somewhere, which means there's 100% probability that it lands, period. You just you want to know where it lands. And so what you do mm -hmm. is you integrate. You want to say, OK, what's the probability it lands between this spot and this spot? You integrate and the area, you know, the area under the graph is going to be X and then you divide by the total area, which is just one. So X represents the probability itself because you just divide by one. And same thing mm -hmm. goes with any other probability density function. You, you have to say, okay, the electron, the position of the electron, um, what's the probability it's between, uh, what's that? What's, what's small a? It's a... A length you know um on the probability oh. it's not angstrom it's like no yeah that's what i was thinking no. of but you said small a. it's a small a it's like it's that one it's like the peak of the distribution anyways yeah <laughs> point is yeah point <laughs> is you get it you, you got to integrate yeah, yeah, between it, two points it, yeah two points <laughs> so yeah importance importance right and Continuous distributions are really important there because of that integral, right? They're differentiating between the integral part and the summation in the in the discrete in, in the discrete notion, and integration and and well, this whole probability thing I think ties in really well to quantum mechanics. But before we get in there, because I, I just wanted to touch it later, types of distributions, right? So we were continuing on the discrete or the continuous random variable which becomes very cool because as you just said, we have now to integrate it to find a probability. So it's not directly spitting out a probability, right? But what's interesting about this also, as you mentioned, is that we no longer can quantify a singular event. We can't say this. It has to be an interval of events, right? Which gives us a few examples here. So before we get into continuous, because I know that it was, let's get into a little example of discrete distributions, right? So you have, I think, just little here, classic Bernoulli distribution. That means it's either a yes or a no. So it's a one or a zero, basically. Like that, like, like the probability is either can happen or it won't. 
So it's very simple. That's your easiest example of a discrete distribution. Another example, very famous, is a binomial distribution. You might have heard this one. The number of trials and the number of successes, right? So like, let's say you want four heads in six coin flips or something like that, right? It's a discrete number. And there's literally a formula that you can just use to calculate it. You know, it's no, no, no pressure completely taken off you. Just put it in this thing and that's the binomial distribution. That's the binomial formula actually. To basically, again, tell the number of combinations between both of these, between the number of trials and the number of successes, right? How many do you need to satisfy those number of successes? And you also, and in the continuous side, we have your famous uniform distribution, which is just going to be flat. For example, let's say, I'm just thinking of an, I'm just thinking of an example, like, I don't know, like something can only be here, you know, and like nowhere else kind of thing. Like, I'm just trying to think, like, let's say, I don't know, this is really stupid. Let's say you're swimming in a pool. What's the probability that you're, okay, this is a really stupid thing. But you're like, if you were to graph the, if you were to graph the proper probability distribution for the whole length of the pool, you would be in the pool. So your probability would be one, right? And then, or, and then when you're out of the pool, your probability would go back to zero. So the idea is that the probability is uniform for the whole sample okay. space, right? Or for the whole random variable space. Interesting when we get into uh, continuous distributions, two of them, you're going to like the next one, the exponential distribution this is always when we're masking any amount of time. So let's say we're like uh, the amount of time that a customer was talking to someone represents an exponential distribution. Interestingly enough, everything relating to time, everything relating to any amount of something passing, any average rate would be an exponential distribution. And this is a continuous distribution. Why? Let's say you're waiting for a bus. You don't know the exact amount, of, the exact time that the bus will arrive. It can arrive at five o'clock. It can arrive at five o'clock in one millisecond or one micro millisecond. You know what I mean? So it can be any amount. So this, what you do with all of this is you take the theoretical values as you calculate it and you put them onto a graph. And what that graph represents is basically your distribution. And if you graph an exponential distribution, it will look like a graph of an exponential distribution, right? So it's not your e to the x, but it's like your, for example, you may, uh, what, 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 what's the famous example? Like one over x would kind of look like that. Wait, right? hold like on. The exponential I'm thinking about your example, and I don't think that's a good example because what if the bus, what? like, if you're waiting for the bus, I feel like that would be a normal distribution, right? Because most of the time it would arrive on time, but it might arrive early or it might arrive late, right? But it would be distributed as like a normal distribution well all all distributions relating to time usually okay well i guess in that situation if you know the time the bus is going to arrive that's a little different yeah, that's also, then you have that value that's also not true but, though if you're like no but exponential distributions actually approach normal distributions on high levels so okay. it depends on the number the number of, of data that you're also sampling as well right so I mean, exponential is usually used again for like any waiting period. Like that's usually how we did it. Any waiting period. Like if you have the average number of thing, like you get to the bus stop, the average time to wait. Let's say if you get is like five minutes, something like that. You have an average number. Mm -hmm. the, the closer you get to it, the farther it gets away, stuff like that. There's just a whole, there's a whole way that we represent it. And it's an exponential distribution. Very, very, very popular to use. And again, how we actually find the probability is simply by integrating two different 
um, random variables. We want to find what's the probability that, you know, I'm waiting over seven minutes. So seven to infinity, I integrate that. And that's my, that's my probability, right? So, I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a very intuitive thing to understand. So you're saying how to get that to the my, there's a chance that my bus shows up a million years late. There is, there is a probability, right? It's, it is a probability that, that can be represented. So that's the only thing, mm-hmm. right? Probability gets important there. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm looking at right here, like a, a quick bus example. And, and they have an exponential distribution with a parameter. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So usually we use exponential distributions if there's any time limit involved. But let's get to the fun one, because I know you want to talk about this one. The normal distribution. This is a very famous well, continuous distribution that, again, basically, you're just dumping these random variables onto a graph and you're looking at what it looks like. So to be honest, I mean... I don't know, maybe if we're, maybe if this is in a clip, hopefully we can maybe put like the pictures on the side of all these distributions as we're talking about them. So it's just like exponential, normal, stuff like that. So you can mm-hmm. see it and immediately think about it. But if you have them in your head, then it may make a lot more sense. So the normal distribution, get into it. Yeah, this Wanna is also it? called a Gaussian distribution. Um, it's the, the bell curve. It's the most uh, like, I guess popular. It, it appears in nature literally everywhere. Um, if you're looking at, I don't know, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but let's say like the thickness of a tree, for example, you pick like one species of a tree and you just go into the forest and you measure the thicknesses of their trunks. It's probably going to be a normal distribution, right? Um, Mm. don't quote me on that, but you know, if we're talking about like the same age of the tree, same soil. Okay. Anyways, um, essentially the bell curve can be described mathematically by the most, I mean, the, I enjoy this, uh, this function because you can't integrate it with, um, what's it called, elementary integration techniques. But it's essentially like a constant times e to the minus x squared. Uh, you know, of course, I'm not putting in the details about like the mean and the variation and all that. Mm-hmm. But just a fun fact, you can't, in, you can't find the antiderivative with uh, <coughs> elementary integration techniques. Point is, it looks like a bell, and you can normalize it so that the area under that curve is equal to one. Mm, that's the standard norm. Oh well, no wait, that's always true. That's always true. Yeah, the area under is always one, right? Because that's just yeah. a probability. Yeah, and Proper. um, yeah, I think the the cool thing about it is that every like essentially. Anything is a nor- like I know this is not true, but but so many things are distributed normally that uh, mm-hmm. it's so versatile and you can obviously there's a mean and it's also symmetric, which is a very yes. important property. Uh, there's a mean and there's also a, a very, well not always they can it can be a skewed normal it can be skewed but yeah. I'm talking just about the normal just ones, standard yeah. okay mm-hmm. that's different yes. Yeah, there are also types of normals, right? So your standard distribution, your standard normal is what we are actually more familiar with and what we usually do. So when you were talking about the Z-scores, right? So that's where really it shows power. So what is the Z-score, right? So it's basically a way, it's also called standardizing. So wait, first of all, before we get into this, did we even talk about standard deviation? No. No, we did <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> we should have done this when we were talking about sets. Yeah. Because we did the mean and everything. We just... I just forgot about yeah. standard deviation. Well, so, standard well, deviation. Yeah. 
essentially just think about it as the width of your graph if your if your data is very concentrated around one point most likely the mean um, mm-hmm. and your bell curve is very sharp then your your standard deviation is very small because on average the data does not deviate very much from one spot mm-hmm. but if your curve is really wide then yeah. it's in the name you know what i mean it the the data deviates from the mean mm. so the standard well okay but i mean like large. you were talking about like graphs and stuff but like i mean we're just talking about straight raw data or what is that yeah. like if you have a one two three four five six what is standard deviation i mean well same thing kind of well i guess yeah i mean I, I guess i guess i guess you can't picture it visually too the visual learners might have liked that graph description there but um if you haven't seen a bell curve before which i think most of you have but if you haven't then a stand well a standard again Standard deviation, it's also measure of uncertainty. That's mm-hmm. also really important, right? So the, the literal formula of the standard deviation is basically finding the mean squared distance. So it's basically like finding the error between the values. So like all the um, all the random variables. So X, basically all the values on the X axis versus the mean. So you're basically averaging out all the X values and you're seeing the distance between all of them to the mean. And you're trying to see, well, is it symmetric? How small is it? How far is it? The smaller the standard deviation, now now, now, now you can go into the graph thing. The smaller the standard deviation, the closer the data will be, mm-hmm. right? And inherently, if you're, well, if you're graphing it, it's just going to be like a longer, it's going to be like a higher peak. And it's just going to be a more concentrated data set. And if you have a larger standard deviation, again, you're just going to have the opposite. But what is it? So in those, no, no, rulers is a bad example. Let's say you're measuring something, like you're measuring current. In all devices, there is going to be some measuring error. Now, human error is different, but there is instrument error. All instruments have fundamentally some amount of error. And uncertainty is something that you cannot negate, cannot forget. And believe me, like anyone who has done any labs, physics labs, both of us have, know how important uncertainty is. Without uncertainty, your calculation is meaningless, meaningless. Your ruler is two centimeters? Wrong. It's two plus or minus 0.01 centimeters. It's always that uncertainty is a very important addition to any measurement. Why? Because every instrument, everything that you use has some level of uncertainty. Now, quantum uncertainty, I know I just thought of this, so I had to say it, is different. You may be thinking, oh, even atoms, yeah, that's a different thing. That you cannot go out of, you cannot break that level of uncertainty. This uncertainty, you can tweak, you can change, depending on your data set, depending on your instrument. If you use a more precise instrument, for example, your uncertainty will lessen. If you use, let's say, a more concentrated data set, your your, your standard deviation will change. So you can tweak it around here and there, right? And that's, and basically it's just a measure of how spread out all the data values are, right? It's just, it's just measuring that. And in a, now going back to the standard normal and why that is so important is because the standard normal, it does two things. So in a normal distribution, it has a mean, which is an average, and it has a standard deviation, right? Which is basically, as we just said, like how, how spread out the data is. 
in a standard normal, the mean is moved to zero. And you might be like, what? So if it's like at 50, just subtract everything from 50. Very, very simple. Now here's the confusing part. The standard deviation of a standard normal is one. Now, obviously every data set does not have a standard deviation of one. So we can't just subtract 50 from everything. And this is the Z score formula. This is the Z score thing that you were talking about, Parker, in the beginning, mm -hmm. that's super broken and super cool. And this is, the, this is called standardizing. And you take any data and you, and you create a Z score, you standardize the data. That means you're making it into a standard normal. And what, and again, this is, this is, you do this from a normal distribution. I'm going to get into how you can also do it with other ones, but for now with a normal distribution, anything you have, you plug the numbers into a formula. Again, we're not going to get into that here. You plug the numbers in and it basically spits out a value on the standard normal curve. Now, the advantage of this is that any point you can now compare any, and literally this is the definition of any normal graph, normal distribution whatsoever with any amount of data representing any amount of information. And you can put them on the exact same curve. Mm -hmm. So that's the power that that gives you, right? And standardizing, understanding that Z score is also important because of, okay, I guess we didn't really get into this, but you know how we were talking about when we calculate probability, well, we're integrating things, right? So usually when we want to find the reason we find the Z score is because we're finding, okay, what's the probability that the realization or the values are less than the Z score or mm -hmm. greater than the Z score. And there's actually a table, a Z score table, which actually has all of these values, which is why the standard normal is so important because I think from as long as statistics goes back, we've had a Z score table, a way of standardizing these normal units, right? To make it succinct so that, any, any data set that you have, any data set whatsoever. Again, we're going to get into how it can be approximated as a normal also, in a sec, but yeah. any data set, one second, just one sec, any data set can be brought, can be brought onto a Z score, which then can lead you to find the probability for that event, mm -hmm. any data set. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's your big advantage. Just the succinct table. I was just going to say, this is also assuming it's normally distributed, but yeah. Yes, of course. This is assuming it's normally distributed, but here's the fun part. The central limit theorem. Yes, that's the fun part. So the central limit theorem states, if a set, if a data set has a mean and a variance. Now, variance is basically the square of the standard deviation, right? Again, it's, why is it important? Because it's important in math, not really much in how we're talking. That's why standard deviation makes more sense. But the central limit theorem basically says, if a distribution has a mean and a standard deviation, now, this is not always true. All distributions don't have a mean and a standard deviation. There's a Cauchy distribution, for example, there's some complicated distributions that don't have either of them, right? And they're very confusing. But anyways, the central limit theorem says, any distribution that has a mean, which is an average, and some standard deviation, that means there's some level of spread from the middle, anything at all, right? And this can be an exponential, this can be a, uh, well, it can't be discrete, any, any continuous distribution, really. As you take more and more data, so this is basically a limit, it's called a central limit theorem, because it's a limit. So it basically says the limit, as the number of points, the number of data points goes to infinity, 
this distribution, whatever it is that has a mean and a variation, goes to the standard normal. Wow. Now, the standard normal, again, has, or it goes to the normal with particular parameters. Again, that's just the mathematics of it. But that's, but, but the power of what I just said means that most, again, not every, but most distributions that represent something in real life, something that has a mean, something that has a standard deviation, can be approximated to be a normal. And then from the normal, we can approximate it to a to a stand or not approximated, but we can get it to a standard normal, and then we can calculate an event. Uh, I mean, the probability of any event. Wow, broken, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, <laughs> really crazy thing there. We learned a lot today. Yo, we didn't talk about expectation values at all. <laughs> expectation like, at all. values. Well, it's what you would expect. It's what. <laughs> it is what you would expect. Expectation no. values are really cool. Because I think we have well, enough. I mean, it's not the mean. Well, it is in some situations. I mean, it, yeah. Well, it is in some situations. Not. I mean, well, it is in some situations. In some situations. But the expectation value is basically well. What do you expect to get out of this? I guess that is actually the best way to put it. And mm. a good way to tally it, and a good way to count this, a good a good example to give as well is in, for example, a blackjack game. Now. I believe the real calculation has been done. I don't know if it was for this blackjack game, but it was for something like that or some game gambled, some something gambling related. And when you actually do the math behind it, the expectation value of uh, the expectation value is negative. So what that means is you put any amount of money in what the expectation value does in this particular function in this, let's say a gambling example, what this expectation value does it calculates the average win or loss amount from you. So playing every game equally likely, basically the mathematical ideal scenario, would you win or lose? Mm -hmm. And obviously you may know where this is going. Every single casino game has a negative expectation value, right? Because the house makes money. Actually, except for uh, poker. Oh, poker, poker. Okay, house makes money. No, I'll make no money in poker. Poker is against No, play. the house does make money because they take well, a cut from the pot, like a percentage. That's different. That's but different. if that's you different. were to just play like the game of poker, yeah. like just between yeah. people, there is no expectation value. I wouldn't, I would assume so. Yes, yeah. you know, that makes sense. I'm talking about all the casino games where the house is involved. Mm -hmm. I guess if they're just taking a uh, you know, an amount that's not really involved, but like I get it. But I'm saying like where they're directly playing, all of them have a negative expectation value because that's where they make money. And that's the thing. No one really thinks about that. They're like, oh, I can beat the house. <laughs> yeah, today, yeah. tomorrow, but average it for 10 years, you won't. So like, that's the thing. The expectation value is actually just the value of the event. So for example... If you're rolling dice, uh, rolling die, <laughs> um, same as if, you, if you're rolling some die, the event would be like getting a six or getting uh, an 11. So mm -hmm. you take that value and you multiply it by the probability of getting that value. And then what you do is you, you take the sum for every single mm -hmm. possible outcome. A weighted and, average. Nice way yeah, to think about it. Yeah. A weighted average. And what you get at the end is the expectation value. The the thing about expectation values is that um, 
it, they do transfer over to continuous distributions. But as we've talked about before, when you have a summation in the dis- in the discrete world and you want to translate that to the continuous world, it goes to an integral. So essentially, mm-hmm. um, it it does go against what I said earlier, but you would take because it doesn't make sense, right? In the in the discrete world, what you do is you multiply the probability with the value of um, mm-hmm. the event or whatever. Yeah. Um, in the continuous world, you can't really do that one by one because each probability would end up being zero. But mathematically, it still works out by taking the integral. And the broken. this this does um, this is used a lot in quantum mechanics because the expectation mm. value. Um, for example, the momentum of a particle or the position of a particle is is very um, how do you say a la mode, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's like popular okay. to do. <laughs> you know, one guy who doesn't speak French would know it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the expectation value is super cool in quantum mechanics, right? Like super, like it's just it's just telling you like the average value of some certain thing, right? And there's a formula. There's always a formula. There's literally a formula relating to it. You just plug in your wave function. So whatever, you, again, for those who haven't listened to the quantum mechanics episodes, quick, just a function that describes the state of your particle. So you just plug that function in and boom. Wait, get hold the on. average value of whatever you want. Wait, let right? me so know. It's pretty cool. Let me know if I'm tripping right now. But to find yes. the, the expectation value of some observable, you just stick it between the two the two yes. brock yes bro- yes exactly is that okay yes you do no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wait can you yeah, explain well, I mean, it do you I, remember? I don't want to get into the math but do yeah, you remember sorry? do you want to explain it because i don't remember exactly we don't have to get into that oh, okay. if you don't want to <laughs> do we have okay is it wait we put it the expectation we put it in with the wave function right exactly okay so let me explain in quantum mechanics, if you want to find the expectation value of a certain operator or a certain measurement, so for example, you're trying to find the average position, you're trying to find on average, where would this particle be? On average, how much momentum would this particle have? What we do is we put these operators, now in quantum mechanics, everything becomes an operator, right? And we've spoken about this before, I believe. So we put this operator and we squish it now, again, this is a lot, a lot of very mathematical. We haven't really got into Dirac notation mm-hmm. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But we we basically squish it between two wave functions. So the wave function of this system. So there's a system, right, that has a wave function. The wave function is, again, describing all the states, the possible states of the system. So on like half percent chance it can be this, half percent chance it can be this, whatever. Like it's describing all those possible states. So whatever operator we're trying to find the expectation value of, so the average value of something, we're basically squishing it in between the system and the average state, the state of the system itself. Now, I don't really know how the math works. Like why this works? Like why we squish it we, in between? We saw do you know why. why we do that? We saw why in the, like while we were studying this. No, definitely. I don't remember it though. 
I don't remember. I don't remember it on the off the off off the top of my head. No, but I it's, don't really remember. It's mathematical though. Like if you. Yeah. No. Of course. No. Of course. It is. It is highly mathematical. It is highly highly mathematical because all of these are just theoretical states of the of where the particle can be. What what. Uh, what state the particle could be in and it's just putting these things together and then spitting something out i mean it's right? it's pretty um it's not that hard actually um all you have to do is let's say your observable is like the spin of uh, an electron in the z direction what you do when you like the by definition of the expectation value you multiply the probability by the value itself so you do like h yeah. bar over two times the probability and the probability is the uh modulus squared of mm. the Ooh. wave function yeah. inner product with each you either have plus spin or down spin and then yeah. if you just expand that like the mod squared the mod squared is just equal to the inner product multiplied by the conjugate you can factor out whatever and then it just ends up being like it the state sandwiched the, into yeah. the operator. Okay, yeah. so whoever has done a little bit of Dirac notation, I don't know if, I mean, even I hardly followed that. So if anyone did follow that, thank, props to you. But uh, yeah, so that's a little bit of where expectation value can come. Very important in quantum mechanics. And the whole, the whole ordeal of quantum mechanics is based on statistics is based on probability because the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics, which is the modern interpretation, right? We have many, we have the Copenhagen, we have the many worlds. Those are the two popular ones. We've spoken about them before. And the current one that we use is the Copenhagen interpretation. And we know that to be a probabilistic interpretation of quantum mechanics. It is literally defined as a probability. Everything in quantum mechanics is defined as a probability. In fact, the most insane thing about the wave function, and again, we spoke about this, I remember in the last week's episode, but the really cool thing about the wave function is that when we square it, we get the probability of, of the particle or the system being in that particular state. So it's, so the wave function by, yeah, the, <clears throat> really cracked up there, but the wave function by itself doesn't really represent much, right? Like it represents something when we apply it to something else by itself it means nothing and again when using the statistical approach when you square it we now get the probability kind of leading you to believe that ever because everything in quantum mechanics stems off from the wave function everything everything stems off from the wave function and the fact that the wave function is inherently tied to prob to the probability function it kind of just tells you a little bit about the nature of quantum mechanics Right? It's all probabilistic and using like kind of the knowledge of kind of what we spoke about today, like a little bit of what we spoke about today can be used in quantum mechanics kind of to understand these average values, these expected mm -hmm. values. And, you know, because it's really important, especially when you have an electron flying away a few kilometers, you know, you're like, where can it be? <laughs> be here. So <laughs> equally important, right? Yeah. So yeah. this has been a good conversation on. This statistics. has been a. Oh, I mean, you already know. I love, I love talking about statistics. Like, I don't know, you guys definitely heard me a lot more in this episode. Yes. I just, I just love this he is topic. The stats major here, anyway. Yeah, for sure. I mean, who knows? There are always more things to talk about. 
we can always do a always do a next one but i think this mm -hmm. was a cool conversation you know a little bit about why statistics is important you know how it can be mistreated and some cool things about data mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hopefully got you guys interested so, yeah. in stats yeah. let us know if you have any suggestions i do remember we had one sure. suggestion to do an episode on discrete math which sounds pretty interesting, like sequences, series, summations, all that stuff. Oh, so yeah, that would be crazy. We might do that next week. Yes, um, that, that, that's a nice idea, actually. So we've done a lot of math episodes, though, back to back. Maybe get into physics. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll think about it. Maybe history. As always, though, as you already mentioned, just literally DM us. Yeah. Email. To be honest, like even though we do check our email, we definitely do. I think we've been responding a lot to Instagram lately. And I think that's just a natural thing because of the sheer number of emails we get, you know, from like all, all types of sources, not only obviously you, but so obviously not obviously, but Instagram would be an awesome platform to talk to you guys on. And if you want to suggest anything, that would be cool as well. Email is fine, but if you have Instagram, it would be better. I'll let, I'll just, I'll just put it out there for sure. Mm -hmm. And before I forget, giveaway. Go tag your friends. Go put your favorite favorite episode down there. Go follow the podcast. And uh, hopefully you get it. It's going to be so exciting. I'm so excited to like announce it. We may do it on IG Live, to be honest. I kind of think we're just going to random comment generate that on IG Live. Yeah. And just who knows? It's going to be super cool. So stay tuned for yeah. sure. So, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us wherever you're listening to this. And also come on to YouTube, look at the video, leave a like, subscribe. Uh, other than that, I am your host, Parker. This has been episode number 71. I'll say it again. I am your host, Parker. <laughs> and I'm Ray. And we will see you soon. Bye, guys.